Okay, today's daf is Kiddushin Ayin Aleph, Kiddushin 71. We pick up in the middle of Kiddushin of Ayin Amud Bet, 70b, uh, six lines down in the line, wide lines, lines starting with the word Chashmonai, um, the middle of the line, Amarlei, um, and our learning should be for the Fitfilot, for the protection and security of the Chayalim and Chayalot and all of our people in Israel and anybody, all the, anybody who uh, just no more loss of human life and uh, innocent life and uh, God should bring a speedy end to this war. Um, so uh, we're in the middle of a story with uh, Rav Yehuda and Rav Huna. Rav Yehuda was called for a din Torah in front of Rav Huna about uh, having to do with a certain person that had visited um, um, Pumpadisa and wound up calling Rav Yehuda's attendant a, a name. And then it was heard that he was he would call people slaves. So Rav Yehuda declared that he was a slave. And this is all part of the larger context of Kola Posel Bemumo Posel. Um, and we, we left off yesterday was that um, that Rav Huna said to uh, Rav Yehuda, you know, it might be true that uh, Shmuel said, call a posel, but mumo posel, but that means that's something you should be concerned about. Now that you could actually go ahead and declare this man to be a slave. And Rav Yehuda said, well, what do you mean, Shmuel? Um, oh, and, th- that, and then at that moment, excuse me, the man who they were talking about came in and said, how dare you call me a slave? I'm descendant of Beit Chashmonai. And Rav Yehuda said, aha, you see, exactly as I said, because Shmuel teaches that anybody who says that they descended from Beit Chashmonai is a slave because the, all of the original Beit Chashmonaim died out, and it was only uh, Herod who uh, took, who was a Edomite slave, who I who identified with Beit Chashmonai. So now anybody who claims that lineage is actually a slave. So there we go. Rav Yudah said, I've been proven to be correct. Um, but now the Gemara picks up and questions whether we should really trust this teaching. So the Gemara says like this, um, so Rav Huna said to, uh, to Rav Yehuda, so don't you hold of that teaching? Now this is of course a little funny because this is Rav Huna talking, and he's saying, "Don't you hold of that teaching that Rabbi Abba said in the name of Rav Huna, meaning in his own name, um, in the name of Rav?" So, um, so in the past here, Shmuel uh, Rabbi Yehuda has been quoting all these teachings in the name of Shmuel, and here Rav Huna is quoting a teaching in the name of Rav, who was the classic sort of um, uh, you know Bar Plukta of Shmuel. So anyway, he says, "What about this teaching in the name?" Of Rav, they call Talmud Chacham Shemora Halachu Ba. That any Talmud Chacham who is teaching a new halacha that we haven't heard before, in Kodem Masa Amra Shomim Lo, Vimlavein Shomim Lo. If he teaches it before the relevant case has occurred, you know you're willing to you believe it. You know he quotes a teaching in the name of 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 of, of, of his rabbi. But if he only is teaching it very conveniently, exactly when that case comes up, then you're actually somewhat suspicious of it. Now this is actually quite fascinating that we would actually think that somebody would make up a teaching in the name of their, of their, you know, of their Rebbe, uh, in, you know, to just to respond to the case. In this case, actually, it was not just that, you know, maybe this is, now we have a relevant case, and I'm citing a teaching in the name of my Rebbe that you never heard before. But in this case, of course, it was also being cited Dafka to defend, you know, the one who was citing it. Rebbe Yehuda was teaching a position of Shmuel that actually came not just applicable to the case, but to defend the position of 
um, of Rev Yehuda who declared this person to be a slave. Nevertheless, it is interesting this like suspicion that the Gemara has. If you came up with a with a teaching of a tradition that just conveniently is exactly about this case in front of us, and we've never heard you teach this before, we're a little bit suspicious about it. So therefore, why should we believe this teaching that you're telling in the name of Shmuel that anybody who says that they're from descendant from the Chashmonaim is a slave? So. Um, he said back to him, Look, I will give you, uh, you know, um, um, supporting evidence um, that Rav Masna holds like me. Rav Masna will testify to the fact that this is a teaching of Shmuel. Now, Rav Masna, lo chazi lunarda placer shani. It just so happened that Rav Masna had never been in Narda where this was taking place in the place of Rav Huna. He had never been there for the last 13 years. Hahu yoma, by pure chance on that day, Asa, he had come to Narda. So here was Rav Yehuda saying, I can show you some corroboration of my position that this is a teaching of Shmuel based on uh, if you would just go ahead and uh, find Rav Masna. And Rav Masna happened to be passing through on that day. Um, Asa, so he came in front of them in this basin. And Amalei, so then uh, Rav Yehuda said to Rav Masna, you know, how do you sort of ask him the question without leading the witness? So he said the following way. Do you remember the teaching that Shmuel told that day when one of his, you know, feet was on the uh, bank of the river and the other was on the ferry or on the bridge? I mean, obviously it's pretty memorable, somebody teaching a halacha in the middle of stepping onto a bridge. So that's how he prompted it without without being suspected of like leading the witness. And Amr Lei and Rav Masna said, this is what Shmuel said. Anybody who says that I come from the house of the prince, the, the kingly house of the Chashmonayim, Avdu is a slave. Yes, of course I remember that. That was such a memorable event when he told it as he was stepping onto the boat or whatever. And he said that anybody who claims they're descended from Chashmonayim is a slave. The only uh, one who was left from the original Chashmonayim house was this young woman. Um, and, you know, when this sort of uh, um, Herod was. Uh, uh, taking over and um, you know and, and murdering everyone and so on. She went up to the roof. Kala, she lifted up her voice from and she said, Kol you should, it should be known that anybody who says that I come from the house of the Chashmonayim, Avdahu, it should be known that they're a slave because because basically they've all been killed out and only and Herod is the one what's left and he's a slave. So anybody who makes this claim is a slave. and she fell off of the roof and she died. Okay, so there you go. So he had corroborating evidence, very, you know, worked out very perfectly. So now Rev Yehuda um, is, is uh, you know, shown to be right. That in addition to all the other ways he showed up, Rav Huna, in this story. Um, so they announced about this man, Da'avdahu, that he was a slave, exactly as, uh, as Rev Yehuda did originally. That day, many ksuvas were torn up in Narda. The way Rashi explains it is members of this man's family, if now if he's a slave, so all the members of his family are slaves, so all the women that they married wasn't a good kiddushin, so they had to invalidate all those marriages. Of course, there's a little bit of a problem with this because he's only testifying about himself. There's no external evidence and objective evidence, so why is he believed to invalidate the other members of his family? So there is one uh, commentator who says that, no, the ksuvas that are being torn up is because he was a signator on those ksuvot, and now he's puzzled, so his testimony is puzzled. But anyway, it sounds like it was more drastic than that. It wasn't just that they had to rewrite a ksuva. Uh, 
that he was really destroying these marriages as a result of this, because as the story continues, okay, Kika Nafik, so as Rev Yehuda was leaving Narda to go back to Pumpadisa, so all of these families that now he has uh, destroyed the marriages of, um, because it's now be, you know, through this whole story, because it's now clear that this man and his family members are slaves, so they all wanted to run after him to, to stone him, and we're going to see, they literally had stones in their hand, because now he has, you know, ruined their marriages. So... Um, Amr Lehu, so he said to these, these the men who, uh, uh, you know, who were of the family, who are now not validly married to these women because they're because the men are because they're all slaves. So the the men, um, so he shatiku shatiku. If you're silent, be silent. And he says, listen, guys, don't make it any worse. Ilo, if you want to keep on making a fuss about all this, Maglina Laihu. I will reveal about you something you don't want revealed, something even worse. What can be reversed? Hadamar Shmuel, another teaching of Shmuel. There are two families in Narda. One is called the house of Yonah, and one is called the house of the dove, and one is called the house of the raven, appropriate to the partial we just read. And the way you will know about the Yichus is the one that is impure, the one that's called raven, they are impure, their family is invalid, you know, whatever they are, mamzerim, slaves, and so on. And the one that is called pure is pure, and presumably these were all from the house of the raven. Now, it's again a little not totally clear from this story how he can make things any worse if they're already all decided to be slaves. But anyway, presumably, you know, maybe it was just a suspicion on the rest of them. Again, this man's testimony maybe didn't halachically impact his other family members. They wouldn't be believed, but at least it made it suspicious. And he said, I can make it even worse for you. I can reveal this. So, so they decided what is better, you know, silence was the uh, uh, better part of valor there, discretion was the better part of valor, they decided to not make a fuss about it, and they took all of the stones, um, and they threw it base, and they threw the stones down, and it made a, there were so many stones that they were going to stone him with that it made like a dam, it blocked up this uh, river, the Nahar Malka. Okay, so that's the end of uh, that story. Now, of course, the question we should be asking about all of this is that if he actually did know about these, the, the, this family that it was invalid, why was he keeping him, the information to himself? And we're going to see more about that in a little while. A very important principle about, you know, about once a family's lineage has been submerged, you keep it submerged. Um, and that sort of is, you know, intention. Right now, it seems like we want to know exactly who everybody is, but remember, even calling this man a slave um, only happened in response to the fact that he was calling other people a slave. So we are going to now sort of be moving into territory, um, even though this was called a posel, but mumo posel, oh, maybe you're shit, you don't act on it. He actually, no, took it as real evidence, and it turned out it was true. Nevertheless, now there's a shift back in the other direction, which is like, just keep things to yourself. If it's not obvious that somebody's invalid, you shouldn't be saying anything about it. And in the end, that's, you know, he, he kept silent. Um... Okay, so, uh, but it's not all one direction because now we're about to, to go back and see a clear labeling of certain places that they are a problem. Um, okay, Malchus Rev Yehuda, so this same Rev Yehuda announced, Bepumpadisa, now, the, our guess is Bepumpadisa, others have the Girsa bin Narda, um, so it's interesting because uh, Pumpadisa is his own town, makes more sense that he is, um, that he's announcing it in his own town, but in, so far we've seen the problems being in Narda. Anyway, so either
neither he announced in Pumpadisa or in Arda. Adav Yonasan Avdi. These two people, Adav and Yonasan, it should be known that they're actually slaves. Yehuda Bar Papa Mamzer, and this man by the name of Yehuda Bar Papa was a Mamzer. Bati Bartuvia, and this guy by the name of Bati Bartuvia, Baramus Ruchos or Shakil Gita. He's a very wealthy man, and everybody thinks like he has great Yichos, but actually you should know that he's a slave. And he is was he was offered a a star a get a, a a writ of manumission, but he refused to accept it because he thought too highly of himself because he has such status. But actually, halachically, it's a slave. So here, Rav Yehuda is proactively going ahead and identifying people's psul. Okay, so as I said, there's sort of this movement in both directions. Um, okay, Machri's Rava b'Mechuza. Rava announced in Mechuza. That's his town. Um, so again, makes sense that Rav Yehuda was announcing in in. Hardav, Rav Yehuda's own town. Anyway, excuse me, in Pumbedisa, Pumbedisa was Rav Yehuda's town, as it was argued. So, so Rava announced in Mechuzah, which is his town, Balai, Danai, Talai, Malai, Zagai, all of these various families, Kulam, Lifsul, they all have some type of invalidity. Mamzer, Avdus, what exactly it was, not clear. Was it maybe just a lesser status, but not actually an invalid inval- status? It sounds like he really is invalidating them. Amar Rav Yehuda, said Rav Yehuda, Guvai, and here more identifying of people with, with, with problems with their yichus, with their, with their lineage. This town called Guvai, Givonai. You should realize that that's a, that was a corruption of the name Givonai. They're really Givonim and, you know, and therefore of problematic status. Dornunisa is Darai Nisinai. That is, so this place called Darnunisa is actually a way of saying the a village of Nisinim. So the Nisinim and the Givonim are the same. So you should know by the name of the city that that's really filled with these people of problematic lineage. So now we're not just invalidating individuals, we're invalidating whole cities of people or whole towns of people. Amur of Yosef. This place of Pumpadisa, this place like village nearby Pumpadisa, um, a suburb, Kulam da Avde, they're all slaves. Okay, again, so this is really troubling, these broad, you know, uh, labelings. Of course, it's somewhat similar to what, you know, it said that like uh, Ezra did, you know, when he was coming, that, that he identified all the psulim. So here they're identifying all the psulim. Um, so that um, is, you know, a, that is going, we're going to see very soon a strong push to just keep it quiet, but that's not what we're seeing here. Amar Rav Yudah Meshmuel said, Rav Yudah, did I skip a line? Um... No, I didn't. No, Amar Yudah Meshmuel again. Back to Rav Yudah Meshmuel. Arba meas avadim v'amilei arbas alafim avadim hayulo lefishchor ben imar. So four hundred slaves, and some say four thousand slaves. There was to this person by the name of Pishchor ben Imar v'kulam nitmu b'kuhuna, and they all intermarried amongst Kohanim. They were all. And the Rashi says the reason it is because as as slaves, if they were slaves of a Kohen, they could eat truma, so they were able to pass themselves off as Kohanim. Um, so they all married amongst Kohanim, and therefore now we have to be concerned that um, that uh, Kohen might actually not be a Kohen. So how much? I mean. You know how, how much does that do we have to worry about that? It was like, what are we going to do? Suspect every Kohen? Okay, so you know this. So so, so let's see. So now we're saying, oh, and we have a way of identifying them. If you see a Kohen that's brazen, then you know it must be a descendant of them because obviously slaves are brazen and Kohanim are not. So this proves their genealogy. Now, did he mean to be suspicious of that? That you really then are going to conclude that they're a slave and they're not a Kohen? So the Gemara pushes back. Amar Baye Kulu Yasvin Bashura. The 
Nardas. So first Abai says, and by the way, you should know all of these slaves or all these Kohanim, these Kohanim that are passing, them, these slaves passing themselves off as Kohanim, you know, all of the, are, they, they can all be found in this like row, meaning in this uh, position of authority in Nardas. So Upliga, now this idea that they are, we should be suspicious of Kohanim that act this way, argues the Rebbe Lazar, on Rebbe Lazar, Dama Rebbe Lazar, Im Ra'isa Kohen Bazus Metzach if you see a Kohen that acts with brazenness, don't suspect that they're not a legitimate Kohen. God forbid, how could a Kohen act that way? Maybe there's some, you know, invalidity in his lineage. No. Um, your people are like those that argue with a Kohen. So you see a Kohen can, is, uh, you know, can be uh, contentious because um, it takes two to tango. All right. So anyway... Right now, we are having a lot of labeling of people and suspecting of people and so on with like a little bit of a pushback. Um, but it's going to, the pushback's going to grow. First, we're going to finish with some of the Agadita about marrying a woman that is not uh, pro- proper for, for you, for you being the man, um, and meaning of a lesser lineage. Anybody who marries a woman of a lesser lineage, when God causes his Shechina to dwell amongst the people, made Alkola Shvatim the he testifies, you know, about the proper lineage of all of the Shvatim, but won't testify about or like or won't, you know, identify with um, with this family. Shenemar, Shifte Ya Edus Israel, the tribes of God, testimony to Israel. Amos have Edus Israel. When is it testimony about their, let's say, being part of the of Israel? When they are tribes of God, meaning when they're all sort of uh, properly uh, organized, the families and the tribes, and not when there is, you know, uh, uh, it, it's become adulterated. Now, again, what does it mean, adulterated? Does it mean marrying somebody of a, of, of a lesser status, but still halachically kosher? Or does it mean actually marrying somebody of an invalid status? It would be funny to say that it's not, you know, shif teyav, the Gemara before when it said, like, it's inappropriate to lo- ma- marry somebody of a lower status, but he here, in terms of sentence of inclusion in Israel, um, it would seem maybe we're more moving on, especially recent, the discussions about being an Eved and a Mamzer, that we're really talking about marrying, you know, somebody that really invalidates the family. Okay. Um, when God causes his Shechina to dwell, it only dwells on the families of lineage in Israel. A little different. Before it sounded like God's Shechina might dwell among everybody, but only some are identified as God's tribe, God's people. Here, the Shechina doesn't dwell except on the families that are have Yichos. That day I will be a God to all of the families of Israel. Not all of Israel. Okay, all of the families, all of those that have properly kept their family identifications and their family yichos. So again, this does not sound like we're limiting, we're saying like only to exclude those that are puzzle. It sounds actually like, you know, the whole keeping of the proper yichos, you know, even and the people of the right status, you know, marrying with others of the right status. So obviously this goes very against our sort of more egalitarian ethos these days. Um, so, um, so it says, it doesn't say all of Israel, all of the families. And they will be for me as a people. Um, this is a way, a higher level that a naturally born Jew has over a ger, uh, a, a convert. When it comes to 
the, the born Jew, it says, I will be for them to a God, and they'll be to me as a nation. When it speaks to Gim, it says, Who is that that heart, you know, stirs them up to come close to me? And you will be to me as a nation. I will be to you for a God. Sounds like the same. Sounds actually very wonderful. Your, your heart has stirred you up to draw close to God. Where is it different? I'll be to you a God, you'll be to me as a nation. So the difference is the order. When it says by the Yisrael, it says, I will be for them for God, and they will be for me for people. So as Rashi says, I have already have a relationship with them, and that relationship helps draw them close to me. So they start off with a benefit that they're already sort of born into the system. So it's sort of easier to draw close. Whereas somebody who starts from the outside, you know, there, um, you have to first, you have to be, have the motivation to draw close. The, the, the system of the connection to, you know, God and Torah, whatever, doesn't pre-exist to draw you close. You have to first draw close, and then God will be for God. So read that way, it's actually sort of, you know, somewhat descriptive, um, and certainly speaks to the level that it requires, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the amazing achievement of somebody for being a gear, but it's also the Gemara seems to also sort of be framing it as if the idea, you know, that it's, uh, um, you know, better, I mean, it's obviously, you know, that, 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 that speaking towards this sort of hierarchy of, um, of status, and again, this is something that if you're higher up on the hierarchy, this is a benefit that you get. But, you know, you could equally look at it as a way of praising the accomplishment of the care, although I don't think it's what the Gemara meant. Anyway, so now the Gemara continues. Um, okay. Um, I'm a Rebbe Chelbo. Said Rebbe Chelbo, Kassim Gerim Yisrael, Kisapachat. Now, this is a really harsh statement, but we'll see in a minute how it can get to be interpreted. Um, converts are as difficult to Israel as a scab. Shene'emar, as it says, um, and the stranger will uh, accompany to them, like will cleave on to them, and will uh, be uh, uh, added on to, to the house of Yaakov. You will add on, like, a, you know, an addition, um, an appendage. And when it's talking about the uh, various forms of tzarat, it calls it a seit and a sapachat. It's a type of a scab. So you see they become like a scab. Now, what does this mean, a scab? So Raji says it's a concern that because maybe they're new to this tradition and they're not as conversant, um, they will lead other people astray. They won't be as careful with the mitzvot. That fits actually a context in the Gemara Yevamos where it's talking about being wary of accepting converts. Uh, it doesn't exactly fit this context. So the best sort of read within this context, what Tosu says, is it means that if you think that the Shekhinah only dwells amongst families of yichus, so a ger is not, does not have the same yichus. And that's actually a very, you know, like harsh read of that idea of yichus. But, you know, but as we said, that seems to limiting itself, not just to saying a question of like psulim and anybody did anything wrong by marrying, but really just giving the weight to people on the higher social strata and the weight to yichus. So, I mean, that's extremely, extremely harsh. And therefore it's saying that if we have gerim among us, then there'll be a problem about the presence of the Shekhinah, because then, uh, you know, in the sense of it won't all be mishpachot miyuchasot. So this Gemara has really been used by some um, as a way, you know, like this, uh, um, to... Um, 
to, to, to lead to a lot of uh, negative approaches, very strongly harsh approaches towards Gerim and, you know, also very much about like, like, like Jewish genetics and, you know, mishpachas miuchasos and, you know, very harshly against uh, major mitzvot like vahaftim asager and kager kezrach and so on. But there are negative statements in the Gemara towards Gerim and some people have really, you know, um, uh, sort of uh, embraced those in, in practice and in psak and so on. And then there are other very strongly positive statements. So Tosos very interestingly relating to this statement here quotes an interpretation by a uh, Rav Avraham Ager, um, and he says, so somebody actually was a convert but made it into Tosfos, and Tosfos actually quotes it, and here Tosfos doesn't even say in the name of Rav Avraham just quotes it as a state, as an interpretation, <coughs> excuse me, that the meaning of this is, is that the opposite of what Rashi said, that because um, Gerim are so new to it and they're so passionate and they've been drawn to it and, you know, they're not sort of complacent about it, then actually they show up all of the naturally born Jews who are not so medactic bimitzvos as they are. So that's a nice way of rereading this. But there's no question that this Gemara, all this Gemara about Yuchsin, you know, does not at all sort of fit with a much more egalitarian ethos that we have and about Mishpachot, Yuchasot and all of that. That. Um, and as I, you know, as was mentioned yeah, about in yesterday's daf, there's obviously, uh, uh, you know, other ethos in the Gemara, particularly around Torah as the big equalizer. Um, and by Gerim as well, there are statements, extremely, you know, positive ones and praising ones. And then there are statements that reflect this, you know, focus on Yichos that are much more um, um, negative towards Gerim. How that works as again with certain mitzvahs of the Torah is an important question. Okay, so now we continue. Bottom of Ayin Ambet. Um Rabbi Khamar Barchanina. Um, when God comes to purify the tribes, so uh, the simple meaning of this is, and again, within this theme of like labeling who's puzzle and who's kosher, and this is where we're going to come to the turning point on that discussion. When God comes to purify the tribes and label who's puzzle and who's kosher, so he starts with Levi, he cleans out Levi first. He will sit as one who like is a purifies and a smelts silver. He will purify Bnei Levi. And he will purify them um, as one would silver and um, gold and silver. And then they will be able to bring to God, you know, the uh, the, uh, uh, the the mincha, the meal offering with righteousness. So Levi and including Levi Kohanim. Okay, so Amar Rabbi Yosher ben Levi kesef mitarim mamzerim. Now Rabbi Yosher ben Levi turns this on his head, and he actually says, "Money purifies mamzerim," which is a nice <laughs> way of saying. So, meaning, no, it is not that the purification is going to happen as one would purify silver and by getting rid of all the dross, but actually the money purifies them. Now, what are the, and they're going to be made pure. Now, that actually is a very dangerous type of statement, right? It's like, you know, you know the money will kosher it up um, and how money can be used to overlook things that should not be overlooked. Um, what does it mean here by the focus on money? So Rashi says it's talking about the fact that people married into the tribe of Levi, you know, for, because they had money. We saw that before, that people might agree to marry somebody of a lower status and so on, um, or of a puzzle 
status for, for because of money. Um, and, he, and the point he's really making is not that the money purifies them. That was historical. That's why they married into Levi, um, or Levi agreed to marry with them. Um, but in the end, once they're married in and we don't know who's who, everything is going to be fine. We'll just make it all kosher. And that's this approach like, don't go looking to, make, to, to identify psulim. Our job is to just accept things the way they are. Okay, value. So let's take a look. I'll give another read about that in a second, but let's first finish this. Um, what does that mean that now it will be done in righteousness? God did a righteousness with Israel. This is with an I and not Tamei, but like like has been has been you know uh, 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 that has been um, a, 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 a family that has somehow been intermingled is intermingled and you it, you accept it if you if everybody if people are Levi the Levi the Israel the Israel we just accept people's status as we understand it and if we know about some invalidity we don't talk about it you know we just accept things the way they are they're getting mixed in kashers them up not the money kashers them up they're getting mixed in kashers them up and here we're pushing back on all of that identifying of the psulim that we had before. Now, there is a very interesting read of the way the money is metahir them, not just, you know, if you grease enough palms, you can get people to uh, be okay with things. Um, but it is, uh, it seems to me the way the riff understood this was because the way you are metahir mamzerim, the way the Gemara says is that if a mamzer marries a shifcha, which is allowed, a male mamzer marries a female slave, and then has a child, and the child is a slave, and then you free the child, then the child no, is not a mamzer because he went from being a slave to being a, a Jew, so therefore he's not a mamzer. So the kesef is metar mamzer because you could use the money to buy a slave and to do this whole device. So that's a creative read um, of this Gemara. Okay, now let's keep on going. Um, um, we're going to go back to the teaching we taught at the beginning of the parak. Said Rav Yudah, the name of Shmuel. Again, a lot of teachings here from Rav Yudah, Shmuel. All lands are considered like dough, meaning as opposed to solus nikio, which was what the Gemara said when when Ezra left Bavel, he left it like like you know uh, a pure flour, like like sifted flour, and all the bran removed, totally white pure flour. Okay, and therefore, so 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 it's only kosher. Whereas if something is dough, once it's got dough, first of all, dough is also with bran, and you know, often the flour, and it's water, and it's yeast, and it's other things, so it's eggs. So other pla- lands, if they're isa, they're, they're, they have other things adulterated and mixed in. So it's not good. So all other lands vis-a-vis Israel are like dough, meaning that there are questionable statuses in terms of yichus. Um, the Eretz Yisrael, Yisrael Bavel, but Eretz Yisrael vis-a-vis Bavel, Bavel was left like solus nikia. All the psulim were removed, so vis-a-vis, so in Eretz Yisrael, there have psulim, but presumably they know who's who. Whereas in Bavel is even more pure than Eretz Yisrael when it comes to presumptions of people's status. Okay? Um, so now the Gemara says like this, Bimei Rebbe Bikshu Lassos Bavel Isel Eretz Yisrael. In the time of Rebbe, they wanted to change that. They wanted to say maybe, you know, things change over time. And Bavel maybe has more questionable status than Eretz Yisrael. Amalehem, Rebbe said to them, Kotimatem is seemingly bein You're putting thorns in my eyes because Rebbe was descended from Hillel and 
Hillel came from Bavel. So ultimately, you know, you might think Rebbe is the head of Eretz Israel. Like, you know, you're like, yeah, we're the, we're the most hush of Bavel is secondary. But actually, since he was descended from Hillel who came from Bavel, he said, this is actually undermining my status by questioning the Yichus from Bavel. Um, um, and, you know, Rebbe, you know, the whole tradition of the house of Rebbe was descendant of Davina Melech and so on. So, you know, it was really important that nobody would question the Yichus there. So, Ritzonchem, if you want me to engage this question, I really don't even want to engage it, but if you want me to engage it, you topically mabchem Rebbe Chanina Barchama. Let Rebbe Chanina Barchama go ahead and discuss this issue with you. Mutually mabchem Rebbe Chanina Barchama. So Rebbe Chanina Barchama went and engaged the people who wanted to go ahead and invalidate um, or question the status of people that came from Bava. This is the tradition I have from Rabbi Shmuel for Rabbi Yosi. Shemim Mishum Avi, who's the name of his father. Okay, the teaching that we had before. Now, this is nice because, you know, if Rebbe were to say it, similar to the whole thing that came before about, you know, Rebbe Huda and Rafuna, if Rebbe were to say it, you know, people might be a little more suspicious because he is defending his honor. So here's somebody else said it, and somebody else said it in terms of their independent tradition that they had. Okay? Um, and so, yes. Actually, Bavel has a higher status in terms of Yichos. Similar thing happened in the time of Rebbe Pinchas. He said to his servants, you know, or his attendants, I'm going to go to the base of Madrash. He was the head of the base of Madrash. I'm going to say two things. Afterwards, I want you to rush me out. Okay? Taluni Barisa, rush me out in this, uh, you know, in the um, in this bed or or uh, whatever. What's it called? Um, a... Um, yeah, no, a, a, a stretcher. So, you know, because uh, that's how they carried him. He, he wasn't very mobile. All right? So, Virutsu um, and run. So, because I don't want anybody to ask me any follow-up questions. I want to say it and leave and leave them with the ruling and not get any follow-up questions. Ki'ayu, when he went there, Amalem, he said, There's no requirement of shechita for birds. It only speaks about shechita for, you know, cows and sheep and whatever, never speaks about it for birds. Halachically, it's only rabbinic. Now, we don't rule that way. We rule that biblically it's only one siman, either the trachea or the esophagus, not both, for, for larger, for animal, whatever, mammals, it's a two. But anyway, but he said it's all rabbinic, and there is a position like that, okay? So, um, they were sitting and trying to say, wait, what? There isn't, it's not Doraisa, and they were trying to figure it out and get their head around it and look into it. Amalu, so he had them all distracted, and then he said, All the lands are like dough to Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael is dough to Bavel. Bavel actually has better gichos than Eretz Yisrael. Now, here it wasn't necessarily about trying to say who's better, but by saying that Eretz Yisrael is like dough, he actually is indicating that there are some problems in Eretz Yisrael. And people don't necessarily want to hear that. Or if they do hear that, they want to know who's the problem. Okay, so Natlu Barisa Viratsu. So his servants did what he asked him. As soon as he said that, and he had them distracted, so it took them a while to get their wits about him and to then ask some follow-up questions. So he they they they, they ran him out on this um, stretcher. Viratsu Akhrav, and they ran after him, but they couldn't catch up to him because he had got a head start. He distracted them. Yoshvu Badku. So then they said, said, Okay, he said that we're Isa. We got means we got some problems. So let's start looking into various families and see maybe are there some people that are puzzled that we don't 
don't know about. Until it led to danger, I meaning the way Rashi says is, they started finding out that some very powerful families, um, you know, might have some questions about the yichos, and they realized, uh, we better stop looking. Okay. And they stopped. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, by the Heichal, by the base of Mikdash, he's like taking an, an oath. Biadenuhu, it's in our hands um, to like to identify certain invalid families. Aval ma'aseh, what should I do? There are great member people of the you know of the generation um, that are uh, intermingled in it. Meaning, so I know of some psulim, but I don't want to talk about it because it would uh, you know it would invalidate um, and affect the yichus of some major figures of the community. So now we are seeing again this idea of you know keep it quiet. So very different from what we saw on the previous on the previous stuff. Um, and again, that that phrase of nit uba have been intermingled. Once a family has been intermingled, it's intermingled, and you just keep you know keep you know keep your own counsel at that point. We also taught. Mishpachas, this is a Mishnah in Edios. Mishpachas based at Srifa Haisa Be'evar Yardin. There was his family based Srifa on the other side of the Jordan. Ferichika Ben Sion Bizro. And Ben Sion, who was a powerful man, Zro with his arm, right? He got everybody to say that they were puzzled, even though they really weren't. He forced that through. Odacheres Haisa, and there was another one, Vikirva Ben Sion Bizroa. And they were really puzzled, but he used his power and his influence to get people to treat them like they were kosher. Okay, and then the mission goes on. He's going, Elu, families like this, Elio Balutami Ulatai Lirache Kulakarev. Things that were wrong and known to be wrong, Elio is going to fix up. So the one that was puzzled, that was treated, that he forced people to treat as kosher, when Elio comes, Elio is going to rectify that and make them puzzle again. And the one that was kosher and, and made people treat them as tr- puzzled, he's going to come and bring them close. Okay, that's things that we know that they're a problem. So now the Gemara comments, like this. The Yedian, that we know that they're invalid, and nevertheless, we've been treating them as kosher. When its real lineage has been intermingled and like exactly, you know, not known and lost to us, at least lost without investigating. So Nitma, we let it, we let it stay at that status. Tana, we turn to Brisa. There was another one, another family that was invalid, and the rabbis did not want to reveal it. Okay, maybe exactly for this reeling reason. But it's a, it, but the way Rashi said, well, let's finish the sentence. But it's passed down with a secret, you know, you know, uh, um, uh, um, um, tradition, and they mention it once to their student, you know, stu- to, to, the, to, to their students every seven years. Shavuot means every seven years, so there should be some record, and somebody should eventually remember at the time of Eliyahu Navi or something. The Amila and some say twice every seven years. Now the question is, whatever happened in Mishpacha Shenitma Nitma? Once it's been lost, it's been lost. So that's why Rashi says when it says another one, it means another like these that actually we knew they were puzzle and we were being forced to treat them as kosher. So in that type of a case, it didn't sort of happen organically or whatever, there's a sense of maybe we don't want to allow that to get and was forced on us, we want to, we want to keep a record of that. At least there's, that, that seems to be how Rashi is reading it. It makes sense to say once every seven years, not twice every seven years, that we really don't want to be talking about this stuff. Okay? And therefore, the less, the better. If somebody says, I'm a Nazar in the condition that I will not reveal 
like, you know, problems with people's yichus. So as opposed to another tznai where it says, well, you can choose. Either you do it and you don't be a nazir, or you don't do it and you do be a nazir. Here we give them a directive and we say, accept the nazirus and do not reveal mishpachot. We do not want to be hearing about what you know about various families. Keep it to yourself. Okay, so really quite fascinating. And therefore, if you're going to say they did it, I'd rather say it was once every seven years and rather than like the less spoken about the better. Now that we're talking about once every seven or twice every seven years, we're going to say something similar. God's name of four letters, the yud Vavkeh, the sages pass it down to their students. Once every seven years, and some say twice every seven years. This sound very familiar. It makes sense. Once every seven years, like the less the better. This is my name forever. Like to keep hidden. So since there's an idea of keeping hidden, I mean, we already got that, that it was, you know, once every seven, twice every seven, but there's this like directive that you're supposed to really keep it as secret as like a type of, you know, like, you know, a, a, like a secret tradition, a secret knowledge. So therefore, well, I would like to assume it's only once every seven years and not twice. Okay, Rava Rava wanted to teach it at the, you know, to the Talmudim, which is quite shocking. Why he wanted to do that? Amalei Husab, a certain elder said to him, it said that should be, you know, ilum shame is, by the way, the uh, Hebrew term for somebody who is, like, anonymous. It should be hidden. Keep it, qu- keep it quiet. Ravavina Rami, Ksiv Zeshmi, one verse says Zeshmi, which we read Ilum to keep it hidden. Ksiv says Zezichri, this is how I should be remembered. So why does it separate Shmi and Zichri, my name and how I should be known? The way, not the way I am written and I read. Right, God's name is written Yudke. But when we see Yudke Vavke, how do we read it? read Adon. So this is my name, but it's not the way that you refer to me. You refer to me with the Adon, not with the Yudke Vavke. And the Shemi is Le'olam Le'ilum, something to be hidden. Tana Rabbanan. Rishon, and now we're still on God's name. Shein bein shtemisrei otiot the God's name, this was the four-letter name. There's actually a 12-letter name, even a 24-letter name, which is more powerful and more holy. So God's 12-letter name, so, um, originally, this is shocking. Everybody, everybody was new about it. Maybe, maybe, again, maybe they just knew what the letters were. I don't know if they knew how to pronounce it, but it sounds like there was common knowledge. I mean, more common knowledge than Yudke Vavke. It's shocking. Misharabua preached him once those that were like, you know, um, um, like not guarded um, were, were increased. So maybe, you know, people knew it, but they were careful how, and they, and they didn't use it. But then it was getting to be misused, not a shocker there, if it's common knowledge. They only gave it to very modest people, Shepakuhuna. Okay, I mean, presumably modest here, meaning also that could be like trusted with the secret knowledge. And they would use it for birchas koanim, while all their other fellow koanim who knew the yudke vavke name, but didn't know the twelve-letter name, they were doing the ayayays, doing the birchas koanim, and stretching out God's yudke vavke name. The one who knew the super secret twelve-letter name, they would weave it into the melody, but presumably not that anybody else could hear. 
Um, Tanya, we've done a brisa. I'm Rabbi Tarfan. Once I went after my uncle to the Duchen for the Birchas Kohanim, he was a Kohen and his uncle was a Kohen. Even though it was his mother's brother. And I tipped my ear towards the Kohen Gadol. Um, she, um, now, um, that's, uh, I think, a little bit of a problem because I don't think Rabbi Tarfan lived in the time when there was a Kohen Gadol, but okay. Um, but anyway, let's see what it says. Yeah, so Rabbi Tarfan actually lived in the time of uh, Bar Kochva. He was a student, uh, or uh, he was a student of Rabbi Yochem and Zakai. So it's not exactly clear here um, what he means, Kohen Gadol. Maybe he means an adult, maybe because he was a kid. I don't know, but that would be funny. Anyway, Veshamati, um, and I heard, that he, like, you know, hid the name during when his other, every, all the other Kohanim were doing the ayayas, and I was able to overhear this 12 letter name. Now, even the holier name, I think I said before 24, I was 42, excuse me. Even the holier name of 42 letters that you only give, before we just said the tsnuim of the Kohanim, this was only given to somebody who is tsanua, like, you know, modest or, you know, able to keep a secret for anav and humble, for omen b'chatsi yamav, and has already reached half of his age, let's say he's 35, if we assume 70 is the, is the eight life expectancy then, the eno koes and would not get angry, and he doesn't get, um, um, you know, drunk, why is this, all these important? So Rashi says, because this is a powerful name that you could do a lot of damage with, and therefore, if you can't control your anger or you get drunk, you might use it to curse somebody out. It lets things go. It doesn't get like angry when people do things against him. Only those people would know it. And if anybody who knows it, if he's your bow and is careful with it, and protects it in purity, is beloved above, and you know, is, 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 is cherished below, and has awe of the creatures upon him by not using Using it, you know, you have more power by not using it than using it. And 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 inherits two words. All of us have a This one, the next one. Anybody who comes from Bavel, you should assume they're kosher unless you know on what basis they became puzzle. Now, this is a little funny because we've basically just been assuming that everybody is kosher until we have a reason to suspect them. You know, even though they spoke about this whole thing about Isa and so on, like... What does that mean about an average person? Do you not say, I can't marry an average person? So we'll take a look, okay? But um, it's everybody's kosher unless you know, because uh, you know, that's Bavel. Shara Ratzos, all the other lands, presumably including Eretz Yisrael. Everything is considered invalid um, unless you know how they became kosher. So you can't, like, marry anybody who's not from Bavel. And now we'll see that Eretz Yisrael fits in the middle of those two. Eretz Yisrael, Muchsak Lif Sopasul, Eretz Yisrael, if you know somebody's puzzle, they're puzzled, you know they're kosher, they're kosher, which is like, huh? So what's the default? You know, Bavli said the default was kosher. Chutz, everybody other than Bavli said the default was puzzle. Which way does Eretz Yisrael go? You have, so that's more asks. Hagufa kasha, this doesn't make sense. so puzzle has kosher. If you know they're puzzle, they're puzzle, means that the default is kosher. And then it said by Eretz Yisrael, kosher. If you know they're kosher, they're kosher. Has puzzle, the default is puzzle. It's not difficult. Top of I and Aleph on the bet. Kan la isha kan la hoti isha miyado. 
The difference is to allow him to marry somebody, a woman, this, so the question is the status of the man, or to force a divorce. Before you allow him to marry, if this guy is from Eretz Yisrael, you're going to want him, you're going to suspect that he might not be a good yichos, and he'll have to prove his yichos. Once he is married to somebody, then only if you know he's puzzle can you invalidate it. Can you invalidate it? Now, the question is what? A normal person, even from Eretz Yisrael, can't get married unless they prove that they're kosher. So Rashi connects this to a later Mishnah that talks about a Kohen marrying somebody and assumed to be a Bas Kohen or so on. And Tosos does the same and reverses it in terms of the man and basically says, we're just talking about when you want to marry somebody of good yichos. You want to marry somebody of good yichos if you're marrying them from Bavel, then, you know, if this guy wants to marry a woman of good yichos, so you could reverse it, you know, but let's take it that way. This guy wants to marry a woman of known good yichos. If he's from Bavel, you assume that that's okay. If he's from other places, you assume it's not good. It's from Eretz Yisrael. It makes a difference whether it was before the marriage happened or after the marriage happened when this issue was raised. But it's only when they want to marry into a miyuchas family. If otherwise, you know, you don't, you know, a normal person wants to get married. You don't start saying prove that you have good yichos or something. Okay, we'll see more of this when we get to the Mishnah later on. Amar of Yosef. Um, anybody that, you know, speaks Babylonia, Babylonian or whatever, anybody that his language is the language that they speak in Bavel, um, so you can assume he's, ba- he's from Bavel and therefore he has good yichas. But now that there are deceptive people and they'll learn how to speak the language even though they're not from the land, and then we're suspicious and you can't assume, use that as good evidence. Now Ziri was avoiding Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan wanted to marry his daughter off to Ziri. Okay, now Rabbi Yochanan was from Eretz Yisrael and, um, you know, and the question here was, was that we said that um, Eretz Yisrael was, um, um, you know, uh, and he was from Bavel, Ziri. And Eretz Yisrael didn't have a good yichos as Bavel. One day they were going on the way. They came to like a stream of water. So Ziri, who was Rabbi Yochanan's student, you know, carried Rabbi Yochanan on his shoulders. He really saw himself as subservient. He was the student of Rabbi Yochanan, so he was doing all of this to show this like respect. And obviously, as a student of Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan was a little flabbergasted about his his you know persistent refusal. So Vakaba Averle, I'm a and he was passing through the water. Amalaser, Rabbi Yochanan said to him, our Torah is good enough for you? The Torah of Eretz Yisrael is good enough for you people from Bavel? But our daughters are not good enough? So my daitach, what makes you think that you don't want to like marry my daughter? There were 10, you know, different types of statuses that came from Bava, Kone um, um, and, you know, and then the rest of the Mishnah, Kone Levi, etc. And therefore you think that like, that like all the psulim left Bavel and they're all in Eretz Yisrael. So, and therefore you think Bavel is better than Eretz Yisrael. He said that, you can't infer that from the Mishnah. So, just because it says that the Psulim came with Ezra from Bavel, it also says Konim Levim and Yisraelim came with him. It doesn't mean they all left Bavel. They're, it, they, you know, they're still Konim Levim and Yisraelim in Bavel. So, so the same way they're Konim Levim and Yisraelim left in Bavel, they're Psulim also left in Bavel. You guys are no better than we are. 
Okay, so then the Avgemar says, uh, but Rabbi Yochanan forgot, Hadam Rebelezer, I forgot, he didn't agree with, whatever. Anyway, um, what Rebelezer taught, no, that actually, you know, Eretz Yisrael, Bavel is, is better, that Ezra did take all the psulim out. He didn't take all the Kahn and Levim Yisrael out, but he did take all the psulim out. Okay. Ula equal to Pupadisa. Usa came to Pupadisa. Remember, Pupadisa was also from the previous story. Lebei Rav Here we go, Rav again. Chazil Rav Yitzchak, great Rav the god of Elonasi. He saw that the son of Rav Yehuda, Rav Yitzchak, was an adult, was already grown up, and he wasn't married. Amalei, my time alo kaman tivlei mar itata lebrei. Why did you not find a wife for your for your son? Amalei, mi adana mehechayinsev. I don't know where to marry him off to because, like I just, as we've seen, Rav Yehuda is very concerned about all this yichus stuff, and I don't know, you know. Who's going to be um, of good yichus? So he said, So this is a very nice pushback. It's like, what? You know, you think, oh, you know, you're so pure, you know, you're yichus, everybody, you know, you think, you, you know, all of our yichus is great. So, look, we know that women were raped during the period when, of the Korban Abayas. How do you know? Maybe you're a descendant of one of those women who was raped. You know, well, you're, you know, you're such a purist. Yeah, I don't know anybody that's pure enough for my son. So he says, Okay, maybe so, but even so, you know, a non-Jew and, and, a, Jew, and, a, Jew, and a man and a Jewish woman, the child would still be Jewish, and I want to be careful, even if that were true. I don't know, I want to make sure my son isn't marrying into somebody who might be descendant of a mamzer or of an evet or something like that, of a real psul. So, but okay, there were other, you know, things that were not so kosher in the earlier generations. So the Pesach says here, that they, do, they lie down on beds of, uh, of uh, ivory, and they uh, uh, putrid on their beds. So, um, what does that mean? It's putrid. This refers to like this bad thing that's going to happen in the Pesach. refers what it means, it's, it's putrid. People that urinate naked in front of their beds. Not the end of the story. Rabbi Yavo sort of cursed that. Said that's a, not a bad, a good read of the pasuk. Therefore, because of this terrible sin, they will be at the head of the exiles. Just because they urinate in front of their beds, that's why they're going to be exiled. Ella, no. It means something much worse than that. I'm a Rebbe Avahu, Elamini Adam Sha'ochlim Vashosim Zayim Zeh, that they are, you know, they eat and they drink with one another. Um, and they, you know, push their beds right up against it. Literally, they glue their beds one to another. And they swap their wise one with another. And they cause their beds to stink from semen that is not theirs because they're sleeping with wives that are not their own. So, if in the generation of the first base of Mikdash, there was all this adultery going on, so there's a lot of mamzerim. So, how do you know? Oh, well, I descend from the Mayflower. Okay, how do you know that the people from the Mayflower were so pure? Okay, so, um, Amale, Hechinavid, he says, okay, I look, I accept it, fine. Okay, uh, it's impossible I, I, to, to know how pure we are, but nevertheless, I, 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 I still want to do the best I can. 
So what do you advise I do if I want to find a family that I can feel somewhat comfortable about that is a kosher family? So I'm a lay. So by the way, you got to like, again, they'll see the ways in which the Gemara pushes back about the whole hierarchy and genealogy and about God's shechina, only mishpachos, miyuchosos. And now it's like, just let everything be. You don't even know, you know, if you're a mamzer or who you are. So, you know, just accept, accept everybody and, and don't, you know, don't try to bring in all of this fake yichos, or yichos that is questionable. Anyway, so it's really interesting to see the different pushes. But he says, okay, but I, I want to do something to try to get a good yichos for my son. So what should I do? Go by families that know how to, that are quiet, that don't get into fights and argue and call people names and yell, because Rashi said, the way Rashi at least explains it, I mean, you could sort of say, Gemara thinks it as being genetic, if you come from bad yichos, you know, you have bad nidos. Rashi also says that people that came from bad yichos are probably used to having been, you know, shunned by society that cultivated in them more of an argumentative type of, an, of, a, of, a, of a culture. Anyway, kihad, badki b'nei marava, so this is like the people of Eretz Yisrael, interesting, because like Eretz Yisrael also cares about yichos, it might be a little bit below Bavel. So, kimansu when two families would fight with one another, and they saw which one was willing to be mochel and like stop fighting sooner and say, look, let's not fight, you know, rather than being so argumentative and keeping it up. And Amri, and they would say, oh, the one that's more ready to stop fighting, that has better yichos. So it's really interesting because it becomes a simin for yichos, but also there's now a shifting and looking at midos and not looking at yichos. So we're looking at midos as an index to yichos, but ultimately you wind up looking at midos. Okay. Amara said, Rashtikusa is the Babel Hani Yichusa. The silence in Babel, families that are willing to not, be, that are not argumentative, that's the yichos. And is that true? Vaikla Rav didn't Rav come to, according to Argusa, Bay Bar Shafi Chala, this person who was like, you know, a poured vinegar, Ubadik Buhu, and he checked them out. So, my love, Biachasuta, doesn't it mean he checked out literally their lineage? No, he checked out how argumentative or non argumentative they were. Okay, so really interesting way that becomes a substitute. Hachi Kamalu, Baduku, and this is what he said to them Baduku, Ishtiki, Loshtiki, go check out if these people are, you know, quiet, I mean, quiet, but whatever, you know, non argumentative or argumentative. Okay. Um, if you see two people that are fighting, you know, one with the other, you know, or like have a feud going on, so the reason why do these feuds last between families, it must be that one family has some invalidity in it, some, 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 some you know, scent of invalidity, um, uh, um, uh, uh, scintilla of invalidity, um, and therefore, it, but from heaven, it's, it, it, it comes about that they are feuding so that they should not intermarry. Now, that might be work out better if you sort of said that it was a problem of, let's say, a genetic disease that would actually be a problem if one would marry with the other. They're both carriers or something like that, right? If it's a Shemitz puzzle, if it's about a question about status, about genea- uh, like lineage, then it should be a problem for any other family. But whatever it is, you know, that is keeping them apart. So again, it's interesting that the fighting and contentiousness now becomes, you know, uh, an, an, uh, an indication of or starts takes a planting the focus on the actual Yichos. I'm Rav Papa Sava, Mishmei, Rav, Rav said Rav Papa Sava in the name of Rav. 
Bavel Bria. Bavel is healthy. That has good yichus. Meishan, this place called Meishan, Mesa, that's like dead. That's all bad yichus. Everybody there is like mamzerim. Madai, Mead, Chola is sick, which means that it's mostly good people, but there's some people there that have bad yichus. And Elam, um, all these places are in Babylonia, uh, is Goseset, is like somebody on their deathbed, which means mostly they're puzzled, but there's some kosher people there. Ma ben cholin l'gosesin, rov cholin l'chaim, because most sick people live, and rov gosin, most people on their deathbed, lemisa die, so it means which way the majority goes. So now we're back to naming places and actually <laughs> creating problems rather than keeping them quiet. And now that we are talking again about Bavel being a better place for Yichos, we want to know what exactly are the geographic boundaries of Bavel. Arhechen hi Bavel. Where are we? Uh, um, I lost my place. Okay. Until this place, Nahar Azak. Rashi says we're trying to tr- talk about the uh, um, eastern boundary. Until Nahar Yoni. Because actually, Bavel is bounded. The primary area is bounded by the Tigris and the Euphrates. And that's going to, call it, going to be the place that's called, you know, Bainstein Naharos, between the two rivers. And now we're sort of talking about, but beyond the Tigris and the Euphrates, how far does it go to the east and the west? And then we're going to do the north and the south. Okay, so they debate between these two rivers. Le'el b'diglas, um, um, northern, above, uh, within the, uh, on the, on the um, Tigris. Adhecha, how north does it go? Going up with the Tigris. So, Rav Amar ad Bagda ve'avna, until those two places. V'shmol Amar ad Mushchani. V'lo Mushchani, until this place, Mushchani, but not that far. V'amar Rebbe Chiyabar Ava, Amar Shmuel, Mushchani, Harayuki Gola. Mushchani is like Gola. Now, Gola normally means a bad thing. It means exile, you know, but in this case, you know, Gola is another word for Pumpadisa, which is pure Bavel, like the good, good Yichas, as we saw, you know, Rev Yehudo was from Pumpadisa, and he really cared about, you know, and, and that sense of the purity of Yichas. So don't we say that Moshchani is like Gola, is like Pumpadisa, is good Yichas? So, Liuchsin, Ela Ad Moshchani, Moshchani fine, until Moshchani, and including Moshchani, that's north. The Tachlis B'Diglas, south on the Diglas, how far does it go? Ad Heicha, Amoshmuel, Ad Afam until the lower Afamya. Tarti Afamya having, there were two Afamyas, Chad Elisa, the upper one, Vichad Tataisa, and the lower one. The upper one was Chad Kashera, the upper one was kosher, Vichad Apsula, the lower one was invalid. So Babel only went up to and not including the lower Afamya. Obein Chad El Chad Parsa, and there was only a Parsa saying like between the two of them, um, um, uh, which is like four uh, kilometers, I think. Vichad Kapti, uh, is that right? I think so. Anyway, Vikakafti um, Ahadadi. Uh, and they were, and they were Makbid on one another. And they were makbid on one another. What does that mean? They were makbid like they didn't want to have anything to do with one another. Certainly, the kasher one didn't want to have anything to do with the puzzle one. Okay, um, they didn't even like bother like a, a flame from one another because because they didn't want to you know have, give, give like it's sort of like a you know didn't want to intermingle and wind up marrying the, the kasher family, especially with the same name, wanted to keep separate from the puzzle one. Um, and you know that the puzzle one is the one that speaks Mishnah, because we know this place, Mishnah was also a, Mishan was a place that was problematic, was Mesa, was Mamzerim. 
North on the Euphrates. How far north does that go? Rav Amar Akra de Tuvlinki until this place. Vishmal Amar Ad Gishra de Bay Pras until this bridge of Pras. Rav Yodan Amar Ad Ma'avaris de Gizma. Another place. Okay. Laida Bay Vitamer Rav Yosef Ad Rav. So they cursed Rav because they said, oh, it doesn't go as far as Rav thinks. It doesn't go that far north. Ad Rav Laida de Shmuel Lolite. They cursed Rav's position, not Shmuel's. Shmuel's position was even more north than Rav's. Fine, they cursed Rav and certainly Shmuel's position. They said that they were taking it too far north and that the kosher area of Bavel did not extend that far. So it says, or Maybe you know what? They didn't curse Shmuel. That actually, when Shmuel said his teaching, the Gishra Bey Pras was actually lower, more southern, so he did not go as far as Rav. So, uh, but the fact that we think it's more north, and therefore we were asking this question, top of Ayin Betamad Aleph, Ayinu, who did you parsai? But now Persians have sort of put this bridge at a higher location, but Shmuel actually was saying a lower place than Rav. We'll just go a little bit further. Only Abayel Rav Yosef, said Abayel Rav Yosef, Lahaygi said to Pras Adhecha. Okay, how about on the other side, uh, on the side of the Euphrates? We were talking before west. How far east to the Euphrates does it go? Amalei, my daitach. Mishu Biram, why are you asking? Because you want to know about Biram, which is to the east of the Euphrates? Miyachsi de Pumbadisa, mi Biram nasmi. Biram is fine. The people of Yichos, of, of Pumbadisa, which we already established was a Yichos place, they married women from Biram. The same debate of the parameters of Bavel for Yuchsin is the parameters of Bavel for Gitin, of whether you have to say Bafani Nechta, Bafani Nechtam, you don't really have to say it from Bavel to Israel because they knew the Torah Halacha in Bavel like they knew it in Eretz Israel. No, this is only a debate of Yuchsin. But for Gitin, everybody agrees it's the second like lake of the of the of the bridge. They knew which lake and which bridge they were talking about. This place called Chav Yama is like the Tcheles, is like the is the cream of Bavel. These places within cities, I guess, within this region of Chav Yama called Shunya and Guvia, they are the creme de la creme. These places are the creme de la creme. And nowadays, Kutim are mixed into that place, so they're no longer so wonderful, so, so good yichos. The lowly, but it's not true. He wanted to marry a woman, and they didn't give it to him. Now, one way to read this is, is that, um, what's his name? Um, Rav Papa wanted to marry a woman from this place, and there's so many yuchas, and they didn't agree, and therefore he started saying, yeah, they really got Samaritans there, like, and he started raising suspicions. Rashi says it's very hard to think that he would be motzilaz on a whole place, and we talked before about people that are, make false claims of yuchas, you know, just out of, you know, petulance, because they wouldn't want to marry a woman. So the way, the better, the explanation Rashi prefers is that a Samaritan wanted to marry a woman from there, and they refused, but because the Samaritan was there, and so on, that led to the suspicion that we're Samaritans there. Okay, you can decide which one you prefer. Um, one more line, um, and then we'll start. Stop. My Chavil Yama, what does Chavil Yama mean? Where is Chavil Yama? Zup Kras de Borsai, it's this place of Pras of Borsai, whatever that is. I'm from this place, it's between the rivers, between Tigris and the Euphrates, therefore it's classic Pavel, it's good Yichos.
questioning what does that mean okay between the rivers is like Gola is like Pumpadisa for Yuchsin that is any place between those rivers is a good place of Yichos um, and where exactly is that from this place E Dikira and north Okay, there's a strip that goes out that goes ahead and um, includes it. So this place, Shot Mishat, is high, northern than this place of Ihidikira. And even though that's more north than where we said Bavel usually goes, but there's a strip of Bavel that went to include this place, Shot Mishat, and therefore it is considered part of Bavel and has the status of Bain Naharod. Okay, that was extremely long, but that got us all caught up, and we will end here for now.